Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. It's a Farmer Friday here on the show. If you want to call in, our number is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You could also email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on Twitter, agphdmedia, or Brian Hefty. So my brother Darren will be back in studio again next week. Today you've got me here on this Farmer Friday. We're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag in just a second. Before we do, I just want to bring up something that I at least find kind of interesting in our region of the country right here. For the last week now, we've been way above normal for temperature, like 10 to 15 degrees, uh, both for daytime highs and for nighttime lows. And quite frankly, if I look at the entire month of May, I'll just say South Dakota State University has a weather station right on our farm, right at our Ag PhD field day site. And if you go to the data so far from May, we are five degrees above normal in May. Five. Well, anyway, I started running the math because I'm like, okay, when I look at the next week to 10 days, we're supposed to be that 10 to 15 degrees above normal. How many heat units is that? And how is that going to impact me with the work that we have to get done on our farm? So here's what I came up with. Normally at this time of year, we are 72 for a high, 50 for a low. So if you run the real quick math on that, that's 11 growing degree days per day. So how you figure that, by the way, is you take 72 uh, plus 50 divided by 2, subtract off 50. So basically, again, that means we're at 11 growing degree days normally. It takes about 80 growing degree days, roughly, for each leaf stage in corn early in the season. They say up to about V10, you can figure 80 growing degree days per leaf. So we like to get our, our corn spraying post-emerge done in that V2 to V5 range. So that's three leaves, okay, three leaf stages. So that's 240 growing degree days. So if you run the quick math, if we're getting 11 normally per year, or I mean per day each year, that would give me about three weeks time that I have from V2 to V5 where I can get this work done. Well, this year I started running the math and I go, wait a second here, we're getting well over 20 and I just figured 22 per day. Uh, that means we have 11 days to get our spraying done instead of 22 days to get our spraying done. So... It's one of the things that I've been starting to talk to people about, like, uh, let's get going here, get your stuff, make your plan, uh, let's be scouting fields. And I realize this is Memorial Day weekend. We were just talking about this in the show a day or two ago, how, at least in our region of the country, we always work Memorial Day, always have since I was a kid. And this is one of the reasons why, because sometimes you get a year like this and we don't have a lot of time. If all of a sudden we take Saturday, Sunday, Monday off and we only had 11 days to spray, now we're down to eight days to spray. So you do whatever you want to do on your farm. I'm just saying don't get caught, don't get surprised and go, uh-oh, what happened? I don't understand. Why is my crop all of a sudden too big? The weeds are too big. No, we got to look at the weather and we got to look at the average and say, hey, you know what? This year is, it's just an abnormal year. I mean, it's great. I love heat early in the season. I don't love it in the middle of summer, but I love heat early in the season. So we are ahead for growing degree days and it looks like we're going to be well ahead here after the next couple of weeks. So anyway, Keep that in mind for your farm. That may impact some of your decisions coming up here in the near future. 
Okay, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! First question for the day comes in from Christian, and he had given us a question, uh, let's, I don't remember which day it was, but in, here in the last couple of days, talking about compaction, and he was concerned about compaction. So anyway, here, here here's his email. He says, uh, thanks for answering my question um, on this compaction issue I had in the field after I repaired some tile. I sent you my soil tests. If you can take a look at those, that'd be great. Um, a little more information, just talking about my compaction issue. We had a two-plus inch rain in a short span of time a few weeks ago after we got the crop in. We had a little bit more right after that, but we haven't had much where I'm at in the last couple of weeks. So there's still moisture down a couple inches deep, but um, I, I didn't realize how much harder that soil was going to become and that crust that's on top from just being that dry here for the last couple of weeks. So anyway, if you take a look at my soil tests, let me know what you think. So I did, and I, when I looked at the soil tests, here were a couple of things that stood out. First of all, um, he had about 72% calcium, and that was one of the things I brought up is if you want to have let's say, less compaction out in that field, you first want to say, all right, do I have my internal drainage fixed? Well, hopefully you do if you have tile out there. Now, he said repaired some tiles. That tells us we had problems with the tile there. So this could be the reason why we've got the compaction issue. The tile wasn't working properly. Okay. So tiles, number one. Number two is we want to make sure we have good calcium levels in that field. We're usually talking a minimum of 65%. And Quite frankly, we prefer close to 75%. That gives us more porosity in that soil. We want to make sure the magnesium isn't super high. So his cation exchange capacity was around 17. So we'd call that a medium. We'd consider that a medium textured soil. So we probably want that magnesium down closer to 15% or something. His is up near 20. It's not super high. Is it causing part of the problem? Most likely it is, but it's a small part of the problem. But here's the thing I didn't see on his soil test that I always want to see when we're talking about compaction, sodium. There's no reading on sodium, no test on sodium, no calculation in the base saturation for sodium. And we got to know what that is. Because if it's zero, like they are assuming in your base saturation, okay, great. Let's say though it's 3% in your base saturation test that would be causing a big percent of your compaction problems. The other thing is he just kind of talks about tillage and doing a lot of tillage here. If you can reduce tillage, that's generally going to mean you have fewer compaction problems in the future. And it also leads to, generally speaking, more soil organic matter. Now, in his particular case, uh, he said a lot of the soil organic matter, well, when I look at the tests, like right here too, it says 3.2% organic matter. That's not bad, but the more we can build that, the less compaction we're, we're going to have. So yeah, I, I, I just try to do a little bit less tillage. Hopefully things will improve. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. The weeds are coming! The weeds are coming! Hey, Paul Revere! This whole midnight ride thing is getting really... But the HPPD-resistant weeds are coming. We've got Verdict Herbicide. Verdict Herbicide? Yeah, it's a non-HPPD corn pre-herbicide from BASF. Well, well then, get some sleep. Yeah, will do. The weeds are coming! Switch to Verdict Herbicide! Always read and follow label directions! 
Back with multi-year proven results, Torque drives performance. Unique to other biologicals, Torque can be applied with other chemistries. Use Inferro or Side Dress to increase mycorrhizal associations, enhancing root development. Learn more about Torque at thinkbiological.com or contact your local retailer and ask for Torque today. Novozymes BioAg, Think Biological. At Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Plus, we'll head out into the field for hands-on agronomy sessions, including our comprehensive guide to crop scouting. This day may be geared towards younger farmers, but whether you're a college student or just want good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here on a Farmer Friday. If you'd like to call into the show, our phone lines are open right now, 844-44-AG-PHD. So we got Marty calling in from Kansas. Hey, Marty, how are you today? I'm good, Brian. How are you doing? Excellent. So I hear you got a little bit of rain finally. Oh, man, finally. We had, uh, we've had about three inches in the last two weeks at our place here and we were so dry that wheat went backwards and Mm. of course pastures are about half what they ought to be and ponds are ponds are next to nothing but you know we can we can survive on you know half three quarters of an inch a week we keep getting it yeah um we uh before it rained two weeks ago i sprayed all the corn um and it was probably v4 then and we uh we it looked tough I mean, we got places we did dirt work that we didn't get a stand, and usually it's opposite. Usually we don't get a stand around here because the terrace channels are full of water. Mm. Um, but this year it was because where we did dirt work, uh, there was no no subsoil moisture, no soil moisture in there. And then we got a rain, and uh, it's really taken off. I mean, our yeah. corn looks really good. We, uh, You guys kind of got me hooked on agro-liquid two years ago. This is our second year with it. Um, and man, I'm happy with it. You can see a difference in our corn versus the neighbors where there's not a lot of people using it in our area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and boy, you can see a difference. It, that, that takes it up quick. It looks good. It's green. Uh, you know, we got right now we got the best corn crop I've ever had. There's that, that much potential there. Just, yeah. we'll have to see. So. Yep. Yeah. Gotta have rain during the summer. Yeah. I check the drought monitor every week when that comes out and, I mean, it looks it, it looks bad in Nebraska and Kansas. So for any of our listeners, you can check out that drought monitor map that comes out each week from University of Nebraska-Lincoln. But I, I guess, Marty, let me ask you this. When you start talking about liquid fertilizer, are you just doing P and K, NP and K? Are you doing micros? What's your program? Uh, we'll run, we run a lot of urea down here because we are near the river. Um, so that's the most affordable, um, and we're all no-till. So I, I like to keep the anhydrous rig out of there. Um, 
so right now we run urea down ahead and then we at the at planning we'll run uh three gallons of pro germ two gallons of high energy in, and a quarter micro 500 okay down and then we'll come back probably next week we're probably in about v5 maybe right now um we'll come back next week with 50 pounds uh, i'm sorry uh 150 pounds of urea um sure and that's that'll be our top dress so yeah. So with that urea and just talking about the dry weather that you have, do you try to time that right before a rain? Do you put a stabilizer on it? What do you do? Stabilizer. Yeah. Stabilizer. I've tried that timing before rain stuff and that if you want it not to rain, <laughs> yeah, throw it out there yep. without a stabilizer and it won't rain. Yep. Yep. <laughs> we've actually had, we've actually thrown urea out um, and gone three and a half, maybe four weeks before we got a rain. Wow. And I would have bet a lot of money that was gone, and we had a record corn crop that year. Hmm. Um, so, you know, the stabilizer is – the only time I don't throw a stabilizer out is if it's March and it's about guaranteed it's going to rain or on sure. pasture in February. That's about it. Yeah, yeah. So what else is happening down your way? I mean, any anything new and different? Just waiting to get soybeans in the ground. We wanted to start – Two, three weeks ago. It was actually three weeks ago. It was too dry. Uh, we were waiting because we were really worried about um, planting beans and then drying out on us and swelling up. And then it's been, you know, we've been had rain the last two weeks and about every four or five days. And, and so it's kind of kicked the can down the road a little bit, but we're geared up and, and ready to start. We actually, we've been in narrow rows all no-till for years with an air seeder. Um, been unhappy with the stand we were getting and we just went to a 15 inch planter this year. Oh, so yep. that'll be interesting to see. Cause boy, you can sure stick that, stick that seed right where it needs to go instead yes. of the controlled scatter method. Yep. So. Yep. Yep. I'm with you. We used to drill all our beans years ago too. And I, I mean, there are more precise drills and everything now. So I, I mean, things have improved that way, but running with the planter is, it is pretty nice. Hey Marty, thanks yeah. a lot for calling in today. Glad to hear you guys are getting some rain. Hopefully things turn out great for you this year. Yep. Take care. Appreciate it. You bet. All right. We've got Harold calling in from Indiana next. Hey, Harold, uh, I hear, unlike Marty, you haven't been getting much rain lately, right? Haven't had any rain for a little over two weeks. Yep. When we did get rain, we only had one rain. It was one inch rain, and it probably took no more than about 45 minutes to come down and through. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a little fast. It's really dry. Yeah. yeah, it's really bad it's when you're no-towing and you decide to start over again the next day and you look and say, just where was my mother at the rain? It was so hard you couldn't remember exactly where the spot was in the field. Uh, yep, yep. It made it. Yep. But everything seems to be pretty good. I appreciate you guys' knowledge and everything you give to us. You bet. Fine with me. Yeah, so, um, so when you say things are looking good, what crops do you have on the farm? Corn, soybeans? Just corn and corn beans and yep. just uh, a little bit of sweet corn. Obviously, oh. the first year I've ever seen sweet corn pop out before the regular field planted the same day. Really? Hmm. So I, don't, I must have had just the right spot to where I decided to plant it. Yeah. Well, I will tell you, because it's been so warm here in May, a lot of guys have been surprised where they go out, plant corn and beans. They're just going for a couple of days, and all of a sudden stuff is popping up. So, yeah, it's it's a little bit unusual, at least for our region around here. So, uh, Someday I'll have to go up to your area. 
Yeah, that'd be great. Come to our field day. It's always the last Thursday in July, so I think sure. that's the 27th of July this year. So, Harold, what uh, what okay. are your main weeds that you're fighting in your area? Mare's tail. So, so, so it starts and ends with mare's tail for you? Okay. <laughs> so, uh, with that end, uh, uh, what you want to call it? Uh, like water hemp or palmer? Water hemp, yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. Amaranth. Amaranth. I've been really good ever since I've had you guys. You mentioned about doing the threes. Yeah. And in my no-toe, I've sprayed before and uh, some of my neighbors spray as soon as they get done planting. It seems like it's really knocked it out very nice. Good. Yep, that's good. So tell me about the mare. Tell me about the mare's tail. What's worked best for you? Do you have to spray in the fall? Have you found something that works in the spring in your area? I've actually I spray in the uh, spring of the year. Yep. So what are you using? Uh, sharpen. Okay. For some of it. Just mainly a dog leaf mix. Of yeah. I haven't used any trapline lately. My grasses have been really good too over here. Well, if you're but going. But uh, like everyone else, it's dry. Yeah, yep. Well, if you're going no-till, that kind of takes trefflan out, but uh, but prowl certainly yeah. would work as the yellow. But anyway, yeah, that mare's tail has just been tough through your region of the country. So we've had a lot of guys that have started going to fall applications with dicamba just because it has been kind of tough to kill yeah. in the spring. So, so yeah, worst-case scenario for you, Harold, if, uh, if you start having too many problems, kind of like we did on our farm, we just said the heck with it one year, and we started spraying a bunch of dicamba in the fall, and, boy, that worked. Okay, so I'll make 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 note of that for sure. <laughs> I I still have my no-till cultivator that I can always hook on, but I don't show some drawing in my beans nowadays instead of thirty inch. Don't want to do much good. Uh, you know, I'm trying to think if we got rid of our last cultivator or not. We might still have that thing sitting around for an emergency. You know, I mean, we weren't going to get much out of it yeah. getting rid of it anyway. So it's nice to know that uh, at least you do have a rescue. Yeah. It's, uh, years ago, we used it. You go seven and a half miles an hour with those plowshares, elevator-wise, and yep. just knock everything out. Yep. But yep. those days are kind of over with. <laughs> yep, I you think so. You guys have done a great job. I really appreciate your, uh, every bit that you, uh, to me, is knowledge. Awesome. You're well. almost like my FFA teacher back in the 60s. <laughs> then I'm like your dad, probably. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not quite that old, but uh, yeah. Uh, hey, thanks a lot, Harold. We really appreciate the kind okay. words, and good luck to you over there. Well, thank you very much. You bet. Have a great and day. Bye-bye. Once again, it's Farmer Friday here on the show. If you'd like to call in, we do have a couple of open phone lines right now, 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll get back to the AG-PHD mailbag in just a little bit as well. If you have a question, you can email it in if you would like to, radio at agphd.com. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and... It can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. 
When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trifold Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at trivoltinaction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. Nothing but net. Win your soybean season with the fast knockdown and lasting broad-spectrum control of Elevest Insect Control from FMC. Take on army worms, stink bugs, soybean loopers, and more with the maximized ratio of premier active ingredients for better overall control of more than 40 labeled pests. Visit your FMC retailer or elevest.ag.fmc.com to up your game this season. Always read and follow all label directions. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day with guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running than ever before. The Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kids' area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drink available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything's free. Go to agphd.com to learn more for the Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from Farm Shop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit FarmShopMFG.com for more. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. We're taking your calls and questions all throughout the show today. Got Tom calling in from Minnesota now. Hey, Tom, I hear you've been a little wet over there. We have been. We have been a little wet. Uh, yeah, three weeks ago today, I think about the middle of the afternoon there on Friday, it started to rain. And when it got all done, about 10 days later, 12 days later, we had five and a half inches. And we were pretty lucky. Some of them around had 10, some had wow. two. But uh, she was she was wet and slow going, and then uh, last Friday we started poking around a little bit, and we were able to get get uh, going planting some more corn and and that. So yeah, it's uh it's been interesting. A lot of erosion. Uh, some of the rains came pretty hard. Yeah. Some of these highly tilled fields, and I guess those are the cards we got to play with anyway. Yep. So. Yep. That's right. Yeah, I'm yep. always praying that if we are going to have big rains, they come later when we have a lot more crop out there to stabilize that soil and everything. But uh, can you now get back into every field and every area in every field, or do you still have areas you have to go around? Uh, most of it now we can get through. I was across some bean ground this morning that was just a little tacky. Mm-hmm. It didn't really... It didn't really ball up on the closing wheels at all, so uh, we kept it on going. Not a very big area, so but all in all, no, it's uh, 
it's uh, most of the ground is is pretty well fit now. We Good. we probably could have started a little bit earlier, but we made the commitment that we were going to tile out some them oddball patches that we had <laughs> this spring with some yep. wet spots. So. Yep. We ended up putting in about 36,000 feet of tile there in nice. four or five days. And, yep. and uh, when we got all done, we washed the tile, the water coming out of those tiles, and we said, eh, I think we did the right thing. <laughs> so how long is it going to be until you're able to finish all your planting? Oh, we'll be done here probably Tuesday or Wednesday. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. Forecast yeah, looks yeah. okay? Forecast looks dry. It good. does. Yep. Yep. Forecast looks dry, so... You know, we planted small grains. It was kind of unusual there that week in April when it got to 80 degrees. Yeah. Um, those four or five days in there, we planted all the small grains. They, they look fabulous. Got a good green color to them, good emergence, and that sort of stuff on them. We'll just have to see how that all shakes out. So, yeah. So you were... Been interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So <laughs> you did get some corn in prior to when it started raining three weeks ago, though, right? Yes, How's, how's, and we prob probably are going to have a few acres of replant. Yeah, that was that was going to be my next question. Is I was just wondering <laughs> if that all turned out okay or how that was looking. No, uh, no, there's a couple spots up in there. Looks like a couple four or five acre pieces in that field that we're going to have to go back in and patch in. It looks like going to give them a couple more days here to yeah. see if that stuff is going to come up and and uh, make, an, uh, make another assessment. What we're seeing around here is during a lot of corn got planted in that early thing, but yep. it didn't get any kind of a pre-on. And those fields have got, you know, three-inch water hemp, not yep. water hemp, but lamb's quarter, okay. um, four, four or five-inch uh, giant ragweed, and about two-inch, you know, foxtail coming in them. So they're going to be, you know, without any rain, they're going to, you know, any residuals in it are going to be kind of tough to make those work. Yeah, but so. at this point, I mean, we're counting more on the contact activity. And, I mean, when when you do get rain, then the residuals will kick in. But, yeah, I'm with you. It would be a little bit concerning. And especially just as warm as it is now, I mean, those weeds are growing fast. So going to have to hit them here pretty soon. So, yeah, there are a lot of people in your situation. Oh, I got a plant, and I have to spray, and I got all these other jobs to do too. So, so Tom, we wish you luck over there. Hopefully it all turns out great. All right. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks, you bet. Tom. Yep. Thanks. All right. We're going to go next to Ron down in Kansas. Hey, Ron, how are you today? Uh, doing well. Doing well, Brian. Great. I hear you have a couple of questions about biologicals. Well, um, this seems to be kind of a, a new territory that we're heading. Yep. And, uh, you know, there, there are several, well, for me, anyway, there's several approaches. There's above ground and below ground. Yep. Yep. You're right. And kind of what my theory is, and I'm going to run this by you. Sure. You know, we need to know what biological activity that we've got working in the soil. And mm -hmm. so are we going to need to start soil sampling for biologicals like we do fertility? Here's the problem with that, Ron. Today, okay. we can't identify most of the biologicals that are in our soil. We can see, oh, there's a lot of biological life, but how much is good, how much is not good? And, I mean, there, there, there are a lot of factors there. So I'm with you. I think at some point, I agree with you, that'll probably happen. I just don't believe that we have the knowledge or the technology today to do that. Now, there are some companies that actually are measuring just overall biologicals in the soil, 
And I, I mean, I, I think that's good and that's a good start. I would also say if I look at almost anybody's soil test, I can usually give you a pretty good idea whether you have good soil life or not. And here's where I'm going with this. What we find is the more we're able to balance fertility, have good drainage out there, and do just the right things for our soil, that means we raise a lot more crop. When we raise a lot more crop, we have more root growth. When we have more root growth, then the, the plants kick out more sugars into the soil that then feed more of those uh, mic microbes that are in the ground. So in a lot of cases, we can just, uh, de using deductive reasoning, we can figure out, hey, do we have a lot of that soil life or do we not? And so that's one of the things. The other side of this is any dollars that we spend on biologicals, is it going to pay or is it not? And where does it fit versus where does it not? And so that's really more what everybody's kind of trying to figure out right now because, well, we can't identify a lot of the things that are actually happening in the soil. What we can do is plenty of research on these new biological products that are coming and some old ones too, to try to figure out, okay, where do they fit and where can they make money? In a lot of cases, what we're finding is as long as you're not investing many dollars and you do put them in the situations that the companies are talking about, there are a lot of things that actually can pay. Our big concern is if you start spending uh, just tremendous dollars, then you got to have a lot of yield gain to give yourself a good return. And obviously your chances of that then go down in a lot of cases. So that's yep. just my, my, my quick take on it. Yes. Well, I, I I can sure see your point, but for, for me, things are starting to align where why certain cover crops work yep. better than than others yep. in you know certain crop and so the pieces of the puzzle are kind of starting to fall yep. together. But yep. as far as identifying that that bacteria and a lot of those names I can't even pronounce. <laughs> um, I'm with you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so. Um, that's that's kind of why my question was, you know, on biologicals. I still think it's coming. We've just got yeah. to figure this this out, and it's going to take too darn many dollars. That's the problem. Well, it's going to take a lot of dollars, but here's the good news. If we look at all the big companies out there, the, the companies we've called chemical companies, um, they're, they're putting more of their research dollars into that biological side, or we call it naturals, each and every year. And I mean, it's billions of dollars now getting poured into research, so that's good. And then the other side of it is if you look at how many more farmers are using these products or even just experimenting with these products, I mean, think about how many farmers there are in the United States. I mean, it's hundreds of thousands of farmers we're talking about that are raising corn and soybeans and wheat and some of the crops that we raise. Well, I mean, if we get even 10 or 20 or 30 percent of those people all trying things, I mean, that speeds up the learning curve a little bit and hopefully makes it a lot easier for guys like you and me to learn from everybody else's mistakes. And we figure out, OK, let's not try this because a whole bunch of people have been doing that. That doesn't work. So I guess that's kind of what we look at. I think it's going to come, but I'm with you. Yeah, it's the future. It's just we all would like the future in some cases, especially if it's profitable, to come sooner rather than later. And I just think there's a lot more work that has to be done. And there are a lot of new products that are coming every year. Yes. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a growing market. We're going to have to sort out which ones are legit, and, you know. 
Yeah, and then the other thing is you got to be careful about how you apply stuff so you keep it alive. So, for example, uh, like even on our own farm, we screwed this up and it was quite a number of years ago now, but we switched to a chlorinated water source. I didn't even think about it. And, well, of course that's going to kill your biologicals. Like, immediately, that's what chlorine is for. So now we have to put something in the water to change the chlorine to chloride, and it's all that little kind of stuff that goes along with this too. Hey, Ron, thanks a lot for calling in today. Appreciate it. Good luck to you down there. All right. Well, thanks. You bet. All right. It's Farmer Friday, and we're going to get back to the Ag PhD mailbag right after this. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. When you pull your side dress bar out of the shed, do you dread the time and expense of replacing worn colders and bearings? There's a better way. Hi, Greg Souter, 360 Yield Center. 360 Wide Drop for side dress bars is a quick, low-cost upgrade that cuts maintenance costs. Plus, you're likely to get a yield boost from moving nitrogen from the middle of the row to the root zone. Save time, money, and boost yield potential with 360 Wide Drop side dress. What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? With AgroLiquid, you're getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting a crop nutrition plan that maximizes your fertilizer applications from every drop, all while accounting for your management practices and the products you're already using. But it's not just a product. It's peace of mind, knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. At Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Plus, we'll head out into the field for hands-on agronomy sessions, including our comprehensive guide to crop scouting. This day may be geared towards younger farmers, but whether you're a college student or just want good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. It's Farmer Friday. If you want to call into the show, 844-44-AG-PHD is our number. 
But right now we're going to get back to the Ag PhD mailbag. This next one comes in from Andrew in New York State. Anyway, I'll just tell you, the title of his email here is this. It says, How to Convince Family. <laughs> oh, this is going to be a good one. Okay, so anyway, he says here, after learning a lot about balancing soil fertility, I want to incorporate balancing our soil micros into our farming practices. We do farm quite a few acres, and a lot of that is corn, soybeans, and wheat. Now, I farm with different, a lot of different family members who may be difficult to convince to spend the money on bringing our micros up because we already have an average annual yield of over 220 bushel corn and over 60 bushel beans. So I plan on proposing to them to let me work with half of one of our fields for a couple years, and we'll farm the other half the way we currently do things. Their current opinion is we already feed the crop the micros it needs, either in furrow or in a dry blended fertilizer, but that's in such a small amount that we're probably removing more than we put down. What are the key advantages to balancing the soil first and then feeding the crop that would help me persuade my family members to give this a try? All right, so Andrew couple of things here. First of all, we uh, most everybody listening to our show, I'm going to assume, if they farm, they have been in situations like you are. So many of us come back to the farm, we have ideas or we learn things as, as we're going to all these different educational seminars, we've come out of college, whatever it is, and we say, hey, we want to try this on the farm. And dad or grandpa or mom or grandma or somebody else says, well, that isn't the way how we've been, that isn't the way we've been doing things. And I don't know, why do we need to change? We're already making money and we're already successful. So what we're, what we're doing must be good and good enough. Uh, I, I think your idea is great. Half of a field, that's, the, that's awesome. But I would say with, it looks like the amount of acres you're farming, you may consider doing this on two or three fields, or at least try talking your relatives into, hey, can we do half of a field here and half over there and half over there? So you have like three different ones, maybe three different soil types or just different situations. Because here's basically what I'm going to come back to. I mean, even for somebody, well, let's put it this way. On our own farm here, I often say, you know what? I'd rather be wrong than right. And people are like, what the heck are you talking about? And I go, here's what I mean. So I farm with my brother. And if I'm wrong on something, but I remain stubborn and we stick with that, what does that mean long term? That means we make less money. So I'd actually rather find out that, hey, I am wrong and we need to make a change so we can make more money. Because honestly... I don't care about being right near as much as I care about making money and making the soil better. So if I can do those things, that's a lot more than that's worth a lot more to me than my pride. And there are many people who feel the same way. Now, some of those may not be your relatives. I don't know. But here's where I'm going with this. In order to prove that I'm wrong, because I, I, I just want to know when we have these debates all on all the time. I mean, any new product that comes up, I'm always going to be more skeptical as a general statement than my brother. And so we just say, hey, let's prove it out in the field and then we'll see. So where I'm going with this is you've got to have data. And in order to do that, you got to run some experiments, kind of like you're talking about. Now, the other thing you can do without doing any of that is what we went to on our farm a few years ago. Now, you don't have to do one acre soil test grids like we're doing. 
but we just went to much more extensive soil sampling. Okay, so let me lay this out for you. About five years ago, we started doing one-acre soil test grids, and we farmed about 3,500 crop acres. Now, we're not getting every acre every year, but it's probably 2,500 acres at least each year that we're getting. So we've done this for five years. So you think about that, that's 12,500 data points minimum. And I don't know what the actual number is. It's probably thirteen or 14,000. So what we're doing then with each of those spots is we compare that to our yield monitor. Now, there are programs you can use, and actually uh, we're working on something to make it even simpler. Hopefully, we're going to have that launching at the Ag PhD Field Day this year. So basically, you can just throw in all your yield maps. It will pull the data off that, and if you've got GPS points on your soil tests, then it will correlate the two. It's powerful information. It's the best thing we've ever done on our farm, and I'm not kidding you. It's amazing because now there's no more debate. There's no more argument about, well, I think we need to be at 4% base saturation. K. No, I think two is good enough or any of this kind of stuff. It's uh, here's our data on all these thousands of points. And it's showing us just, I'll just use potassium as the example. Uh, the more K we have, the more yield we have and the more money we make. Okay. Now I don't have to be very smart at all when I can look at data and it shows me Oh, look at the look at the graph. The yield just keeps going up as the potassium goes up. Um, I'm all in on potassium, okay? And so I don't know what that's going to show with your micronutrients or anything else that you are talking about going to. Because quite frankly, I, I, no offense, I mean you may be wrong. I don't think you are, but we don't know unless we test. So that's what I would encourage you to do, and hopefully you can get. The people in your family on board to do soil testing. I'm assuming you already have yield data. So the big thing is it's how you do your soil testing now. And here's what I mean. If you're just, let's say you're doing five acre grids. If you're just randomly walking around the five acres, pulling soil cores, mixing those together and sending them in for analysis, then uh, what I'm talking to you about is never going to work. You have to pick a specific GPS point in that five acre grid. And again, like for us, we're doing one acre grid, so we have a crazy amount of data. The more spots you have, the more data you have, because you already have millions of yield data points. Now it's just correlating those to soil tests. So what I'm trying to say here is you can set it up on whatever grid size or even zone size you want. I don't care. But what I do care about is how you sample. You need to pick GPS points. You go right to that point, drive there with your vehicle, and you pull soil cores within about a 10-foot radius, and then that is your soil test. Then you can match up that GPS spot with that yield data, and you start putting this together. Uh, in, uh, if it's hundreds of points, great. If it's thousands of points, way better. The more data you have, the better. And then you'll be able to see and correlate the soil test information to the yield information. And now this is something you can show your family and say, hey, look, when we have more zinc in our fields or like on our farm, one of the things we figured out was our phosphorus to zinc ratio. It wasn't just the zinc. It wasn't just the phosphorus. It was the phosphorus to zinc ratio. And boy, when we got that right, our yield went up. And so then I can show everybody in our farm operation and I go, oh, see, look at this. If we just get that phosphorus to zinc ratio, right, our yields go way up. And everybody's like, oh, okay, I guess we need to pay attention to that kind of stuff. Yes. So we're all learning on all these things, but data really helps. All right. 
Next one here is from Jacob. He's from Iowa. And he says, uh, you guys were talking just the other day about fungicide application for V4 to V8 corn. Do you have any tips on what to watch for when mixing herbicides on a post-trip for corn? He says, I'm spraying Resicor, atrazine, glyphosate, some micronutrients, and non-ionic surfactant. Now, I'm thinking about throwing in a fungicide. Are you concerned that this is too hot of a load and it's going to hurt the corn? He says, I'm getting mixed answers and thoughts elsewhere. Um, Jacob, every year is going to be a little bit different. Had it stayed cool and wet, then you would see more leaf burn. Because it's been hotter and drier in a lot of areas, not all, but because it's been hotter especially, and drier to some degree, there's going to be a little more wax on the, the leaf cuticles of that corn. Um, so I, I usually don't worry about it. We've sprayed all kinds of different mixes uh, and and gone pretty early on corn. We might see a little bit of leaf burn, but very, very little. I'm not worried in the first place, but especially this year, no, I'm really not worried. And let's just talk specifically about your products here. Could Resicor burn the crop a little bit? Well, you've got Resicor XL, and that part of the reason that came with the XL formulation, it's supposed to burn the crop a little less. Atrazine's very safe to the crop. Glyphosate is. Uh, your micronutrients, as long as you're keeping that low. So if it was a gallon or two, it'd be a lot different than if it's a pint or a quart. If you're running a low rate, I'm not worried about that. Non-ionic surfactants, no problem. So then it's really only the fungicide adding a little burn. I don't think it's going to be a big deal. You should be just fine. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Utricia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Nothing gets a better view of your crops than your pivot. Plant Insights powered by Prospera transforms your center pivot into a crop health monitoring machine. Be one of two growers to get Plant Insights on your farm with a free one-year subscription. Enter to win at agtechonthefarm.com. With Plant Insights, you can see everything your pivot does all season long, from emergence to pests, weeds, and disease. Enter today at agtechonthefarm.com. With Plant Insights, you'll walk away a winner. Are you ready? We got the need, the need for seed treatment. Start your engines. Ready, set, Intego. Start your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit valent.com slash Intego. Always read and follow label instructions. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day with guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running than ever before. The Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drink available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything's free. Go to agphd.com to learn more for the Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. Get uniform control in your fields with trusted, hardworking Lucento fungicide. 
control the toughest diseases with a dual mode of action fungicide that consistently outperforms the competition and field trials. Lucinto fungicide from FMC works overtime for lasting control to help improve crop yields. Talk about getting the job done. Visit your FMC retailer or lucinto.ag.fmc.com for hardworking control in your fields. Always read and follow all legal directions. Learn on the job with the CNB Apprenticeship Program. Through in-person training and on-the-job experience, this unique opportunity gives you the chance to learn advanced ag diesel technology without the traditional technical school format or expense. Learn more at cbequipment.com careers. From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit mortonbuildings.com. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. We're right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag. Our next question comes in from Glenn up in Manitoba. So he wrote to us the other day asking about our opinion broadcasting versus banding nitrogen. So he gave us a follow-up here because we were kind of questioning, okay, what, what exactly do you have going on and stuff? But anyway, he said, we're broadcasting treated urea ahead of our air drills in a one-pass no-till process. The seating units have three-quarter-inch openers on 10-inch and 12-inch spacings, so not a lot of disturbance, but enough dirt moved to cover up the urea. The rest of the blend goes through the drill subsurface. We are doing it this way to speed up the logistics of seeding and less filling. Anyway, I, I just wanted your opinion on the efficacy uh, of the nitrogen versus if it was going down the tube. So broadcast versus going down the tube subsurface in a sideband format through the drill, especially in a prolonged period of no precipitation. All right, so Glenn, the number one thing is that we get it covered and is... Just going through with the drill, so you've bro- if you broadcast it and you're going through with the drill, you're not going to cover it a whole lot. So if it was going to be a very prolonged period of time where you didn't have any rainfall, yes, then we would prefer to get it down into the ground. Now, you're not going to get it down super deep anyway, but getting it down somewhat, um, I mean, the deeper you can get it down, the better off you're going to be. In terms of, let's just say you do have rainfall, is it going to be any better banding it? versus broadcasting it, I mean, here's the thing. The rate is going to make a lot of difference. If you put a high rate of nitrogen in a band in the soil, it is possible that you could burn off some crop roots. I'm assuming you're not putting on some massive rate or anything, so let's let's just assume for right now we're burning off no roots or almost no roots, okay? So then all we're really looking at is the efficiency of a band versus broadcast. When we talk about potassium and especially phosphorus, and even things like zinc and copper, nutrients that don't move well in soil. Yeah, we do like to see band. And the reason why is because roots don't magically know where your fertility is at. And if it's not going to move around in the soil, then your root has to find it. Well, if you've got it relatively close to where that seed is, I mean, not right at the seed, but relatively close to where the seed is, the odds are extremely high the plant's going to find it at some point. Now, when it finds it, what it does, if it senses, oh, this is a high fertility area, it will actually put more roots in that area. It's kind of interesting. We've done some studies like behind in soil, behind glass, and you could see, oh, when, when we hit that 
that zone of high fertility, all of a sudden there's tremendous rip proliferation right there. However, with nitrogen, it moves easier than any other nutrient in the soil. So when you do get rain, the odds are that rainwater is going to move that nitrogen around. And is it possible that you can have 5 or 10% better efficiency by putting the nitrogen in a band? Sure. Are you going to have 30 or 50% better efficiency like you do with phosphorus and, and sometimes with potassium? No chance. Nope. So it's a, it, it's a little bit better, but it's nothing real dramatic. And that would be my answer. All right. Uh, next one comes from our friend PD out on the West Coast. And he said, hey, guys, I had a friend who bought some, uh, some nectarine and peach trees. And now he's had them for five years and they are not fruitful. Uh, lots of flowers, lots of bees, uh, just no fruit. He said there's an alfalfa hay field next to it, but no chem that I know of. So I, I don't know what's going on. I figured I'd send you the soil test. Okay, so the soil tests that I got, they're from the state of Idaho, and I'm not familiar. I, I guess I've heard of this lab before, but they do things different than what we're used to. So I don't know that I can give you an answer based off this soil test. And let me just give you a couple of quick examples. So we have, if you come to any of our soils clinics, we'll have well, maybe a little more advanced soils clinic, we'll show you how you can actually calculate the base saturation test because we're really interested in what are our levels of calcium, magnesium, potassium, sodium, that kind of stuff in relation to the other nutrients. Okay, well, on this particular test here, it says the cation exchange capacity is 13, yet it says there are 6,000 parts per million of calcium 400 parts per million of magnesium, 200 of potassium, that's not possible to only have a cation exchange capacity of 13. So I don't know what's going on there. And then when it adds up percent base saturation, it comes up with the same thing I did, uh, plus 266% instead of plus 100%. What I mean by that is when you add up the base saturation numbers for calcium, magnesium, potassium, sodium, and hydrogen, it should add up to 100%. That's the way base saturation works because we're talking about a ratio of one to the other. Well, in this case, it added up to 266%. I ran the math myself and I'm like, and, and it shows it even on the sheet here. I'm going, I, I, don't, I don't know what to do with this. Uh, it certainly appears to me, though, that we have excessive calcium. So a lot of times what people will suggest is that you throw a whole bunch of sulfur out there. Now, I, I will say we've got to have potassium in ratio with the other nutrients are, that are out there. Trees like 7 or 8% base saturation K. You're not even close. If this is real, and actually let me just uh, I'll mess around with my numbers here on my spreadsheet. So I would say we're probably dealing with a, a base satur or sorry, a cation exchange capacity of something that would be closer to a 35. Okay, and if that's the case, your potassium level is only one and a half percent. In other words, it needs to be five times higher. Five times higher. And that's your big problem. So uh, or a big problem. Now, the other thing is you want to look at micronutrients and kind of see how you're doing there. It looks to me like some of these things could be, they appear low on this lab's test. But again, without familiarity with that lab, I don't know what they're doing, what testing method, anything else. So 
we use Midwest Labs based out of Omaha. They're the largest lab in the United States. I don't care if you're using them or somebody else we're familiar with. Run a Malik test and let's see what we've actually got. So if you want to send us a different test, that would be great. But then beyond that, we're just going to talk about normal things that we would want if we're going to raise any crop. And I don't care if your crop is trees or corn or wheat or anything else. So we're talking about good drainage, yet we want to make sure that we're getting adequate moisture. Uh, We also take a look at how are we doing for weeds, insects, diseases, uh, just anything else to make that crop as healthy as possible. With trees, they need a lot of area to explore. Is there anything limiting their root growth down below ground? Are you near a building or anything like that? So lots of things there, and I would say I have way more questions than I have answers, unfortunately. All right, next one here comes from Charlie. We're talking about uh, deep fertilizer placement, and he said, I see you guys use some sort of granulated or powder for fertilizer. Uh, Do you feel that liquid fertilizer would be better and more efficient for plant intake? All right, so Charlie, we love liquid fertilizer. It's just, here, here's, here's how we do it on our farm. You can do it however you want. But you're going to find that dry fertilizer is typically cheaper than liquid. Here's the reason why. With the liquid fertilizer, it's going to take more effort to get it into that liquid form. But the advantage is it's available now. And like in an area where we farm, for example, we often don't get rain for a month or even a couple weeks, whatever. We've gone a couple weeks now without any rain. And we've gone a month and a half without a good rain. So if I don't have liquid fertilizer, I don't have breakdown on that dry fertilizer. Last year, for example, in a shelter belt, we put some dry fertilizer out. I still found it in the fall. I found the dry fertilizer in the fall. It hadn't broken down all summer. (laughs) So what good did that do me for last year? But we like dry fertilizer for building soil levels. So that's typically what we're doing. If we say, okay, well, we need 500 pounds of potassium out here. I'm not doing that in liquid. I'm throwing that out in potash. And then we'll also supplement each year with each crop we raise using liquid. So we've got some that's there, that's readily available. It's easily accessible. And that that's, I, I guess, the big difference. So yes, it absolutely is more efficient and it is better, but we aren't going to go with a complete liquid program because, again, we like building up the overall soil, balancing our nutrients in the soil, and kind of handling things that way. Uh, the other thing is foliar, we're using liquid. Um, side dress, we're using liquid. So, I mean, yeah, there are a lot of places where it fits. And uh, so, anyway, we, we like having the ability to buy both liquid and dry each year. All right, before we go, just want to say thanks to Alex. He was our producer for today's show. Thanks to everybody who called or wrote in with questions. And thanks to you for listening. And be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio. And now, stay tuned for Rob Sharkey and Shark Farmer Radio. <laughs>